Don't be too friendly, church. No, you can be as friendly as you want. Uh, just a reminder, Romans chapter 15, 7 says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And uh, I think that's just the kind of culture we want to set as a church, that we're going to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Just think about how Christ welcomed you. Just, just think, just let me give you a picture of how Christ welcomed you. This is it, right? This is the picture of how Christ welcomed you. It's a pretty astounding picture. And we're going to get to the cross at the end of our message today. We're in Lamentations chapter 2. So turn in your Bible to Lamentations chapter 2. And uh, last week we started off in Lamentations. I said uh, we needed to be in Lamentations as a church because uh, our world is hurting. And uh, our church is hurting. And your family, if, if you're anything like our family, is hurting. And you as a person, just you and God, you're probably hurting. And there's a reason for that. I can't explain every reason for that. I don't know every reason for that. But I can read the scriptures and I can see from scripture um, some of the evidence of why it feels the way it does. So we're going to be in Lamentations 2. Let me start with this. Um, I didn't do a very good job of kind of giving you notes last week. So if you're taking notes... Um, healthy holiness is the title of the message today. Healthy holiness. All right. Everybody say it. Healthy holiness. You got it. Let's say it together now. Healthy holiness. That's what we're going for. That's the target. We want to be holy as God is holy. So here's the question I have for you though. Our passage is going to talk about God's anger. Why is God angry? You ever ask yourself that? And why is he angry at me? I mean, should he be angry at me? And uh, have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like God was angry with you? Let me be honest. Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> About the whole month of May, I was like, God, you hate me. Went back to a back injury, was trying to figure out the church stuff, my own personal failures as a leader and as a, a believer in Jesus Christ, and just trying to figure out now, I do want to give a disclaimer. Some of you think God's angry with you all the time. There is a certain disposition. There is a certain personality where you think God's angry with you and, and he's angry with you all the time. And I would just say to you, that's not healthy. God's not angry with you all the time. God sent Jesus to die for you, right? He wasn't angry with you then. So, so just, just don't beat yourself up. With the anger of God. Let God's anger be his anger. You don't have to beat yourself up or over the head thinking that God's angry at you when he's not. So just, just a little disclaimer there. We can be healthy and that can lead to holiness, right? Understanding God's anger, knowing that he's angry at sin can be healthy and it can lead you to holiness. And that's what we're going to go for today. Pursue holiness is healthy. Pursuing holiness is healthy. You guys ready for that? Ready to be healthy today? I don't know if I'm ready. Well, I really want to be healthy. And so let's pursue holiness. Um, so that kind of sets the stage here. God says you should be holy as I am holy. And God is interested in pursuing your holiness. We know that from um, 1 Peter chapter 1 and ongoing. And so I just got to ask you a question, church, because you can answer this yes or no. Are you interested in pursuing holiness? 
Are you interested in being healthy today? Because it really does depend on you and your desire. God's not going to change your will. God's not going to do something you don't want him to do. So, so just, I'm not trying to like press too hard, but I just want to be clear. Like you do have a choice in the matter right now. And, and I want to pursue holiness with you. So let's see it from Lamentations chapter two. Turn over there if you haven't already. This is a second lament poem. It's an acrostic. I said that last week. It's uh, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet from A, Elf, all the way down to Ta. Uh, I'm not sure I'm saying that right because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, uh, but I've written it in my Bible because uh, you can look this stuff up online. It's pretty cool. Um, chapter two, I'm just going to read the first uh, nine verses because it'll set the stage for our first point. How the Lord is in anger, uh, how the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under the cloud. The imagery here is thick. I can't talk about everything, so just I just keep going. He has cast down from the heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. Just take account of how many times he says he's angry. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy. All the inhabitants of Jacob, in his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rulers. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. So I think that verse is just really clear to me. Like God's not the enemy. He's just withdrawn his hand as you face the enemy. Okay, I just want that to be clear. Because sometimes we can kind of twist God up in our head and be like, God's my enemy. No, he doesn't hate you. God's, I'll just read it again. He has withdrawn from them his right hand, his hand of favor in the face of the enemy. So God's not the enemy. Everybody say God's not the enemy. You, you need to say that to yourself right now. Okay. Because it can kind of feel like he is, but he's not. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy, like an enemy, not the enemy, with his right hand set like a foe. And he has killed all who were delightful in our eyes in the tent of the daughter of Zion. He has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its places, all its palaces, sorry. He has laid in ruins its strongholds. He has multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and lamentation, more and more and more crying, more and more and more crying out to God in lamentation. That's what we're studying. He has laid waste his booth like a garden, laid in ruins his meeting place. That hits too close to home for us as a church, I think. That, that makes me grieved. The Lord has made Zion forget festival and Sabbath. We went five months without meeting. Did we forget that God wants us to gather? I know there's six circumstances. I'm not trying to be too bold, but I do want to be bold. And in his fierce indignation has spurned king and priest. The Lord has scorned his altar, disowned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They raised a clamor in the house of the Lord 
as on the day of festival, but it's not a festival, it's destruction. The Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measuring line. That's what they would use to build the temple, and now it's used to destroy. He did not restrain his hand from destroying. He caused rampart and wall to lament. Even the rocks cry out, he's saying. They languish together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. The law is no more. And her prophets find no vision from the Lord. Silence. Here's the first point. You can write it down. God's righteous anger is set against sin. I mean, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) But sometimes we need to be reminded God's righteous anger is set against sin. Against all sin. Against your sin. Against my sin. This book here, uh, Good and Angry, it's uh, titled Good and Angry, Redeeming Anger, Irritation, Complaining, and Bitterness. You're like, oh, I should read that. I know. Me too. I did read it because I had all of those things. And it's by a good counselor, David Paulson, who has since gone to be with the Lord. But it's a very good book on how to deal with your own anger. I want to say so much more about it. But you just need to know God's good and angry. He's not bad. He's good angry. And this book teaches you a little bit about how to be good angry. So uh, pick it up if you have time. I know I gave you a book last week. You can't read a book every week. I get that. Um, It's kind of challenged by choice. Maybe you want to read the one I gave you last week. Maybe you want to read the one I gave you this week. I don't know. Whatever God's spirit's doing in your life, just listen to him. What's he saying right now? That's, that's what's important. God's righteous anger is set against sin. God's wrath leveled at sin to defeat sin once and for all. But we don't want the truth. We want affirmation. Isn't that right? Come on now, church. We don't want the truth. Honestly, I'm kind of scared of the truth most days. I just want some affirmation, just some encouragement to let me know I'm doing okay. And that's not wrong, as long as it's not opposed to the truth. I'll give it to you this way. Here's an illustration. You ever been to the dentist? Raise your hand if you've been to the dentist. That's a good thing. I'm looking at you, Caitlin. I know how much pain that has caused. And and here's the thing. Going to the dentist hurts. I don't like going to the dentist. If you have really good teeth, we don't like you, okay? The rest of us, you know, we have cavities and stuff. We have gold or silver or other precious metals in our mouth. But you go to the dentist, he says to you, what? It's going to pinch a little. That's like code word for buckle up, right? You're going to feel a little pressure. Yeah, no, it's more than pressure. It's called pain. Just call it by its name. I need the truth, not, not your little, like, fuzzy wuzzy right so i'm just saying to you i'm I'm trying to be like loving but this first point is so clear god's righteous anger is set against sin but going to the dentist is cool right because it, it fixes something that's wrong with me there's something that hurts maybe he makes it hurt a little worse for a second and then it doesn't hurt anymore that's a that's that's good Maybe you came to church just to hear that. Why is it so hard? Well, it's going to hurt just a little bit more, and then it's going to be done. 
But why the pain, right? What's he getting to? We'll get to that in a second. I just want to encourage you coming out of this point because I don't want to beat you up. And here, here's a couple of verses God laid on my heart to just encourage you as we finalize this first point. God's righteous anger is set against sin. Psalm 30, verse 5. You want to write this down. You want to read this today and this week. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Morning. Even with like crying out and lamenting. And then Isaiah chapter 54. Like if you need a place to go today in your uh, time with the Lord, Isaiah 54 will really encourage you. Isaiah 54, 8 says, In overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you. God talking. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Isn't that great? Just remember that Jesus is the place to take lament in the New Testament. Don't forget that as we go and walk on. Okay, I'm going to read for you verses 10 through 17. And what I want you to see in verses 10 through 17 is this. You can write it down. Number two. Not only is God's righteousness uh, anger set against sin, but also sin silences God's voice in my life. Sin silences God's voice in my life. You ever felt like God's quiet? That's a wake-up call, right? Sin silences God's voice in my life. So let me read it to you from uh, chapter 2, verse 10 and through 17. The elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground in silence. There's the word. They have thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. Just the word I've written in my Bible, they're sad. <laughs> my eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. It's going to get nasty. My bile is poured out on the ground. Gross. I, I, I understand what that means. Because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. The word I've written by that verse is sick. Then they cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine? And they faint like a wounded man as their life is poured out on their mother's bosoms, hurting, wounded, suffering is the word I have written down there, even death. What can I say for you? What To what can, can I compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken to you that I may comfort you? I'm having trouble trying to figure out how to even say something nice. How to even comfort you. Ever been in a situation like that? Um, this is how I liken it. My mom, my dad passed. My mom grieved. But what I noticed is, and we're glad that he's in heaven, trust me. But what I noticed in that moment is pain is real. And there's really nothing you can say to someone when they've lost their forever friend, when they've lost their mate, when they've lost. There's just nothing you can say. You can't really take the pain away. You can't really say anything that's going to relieve the pain in that moment. All you can do is share in the pain with them. That's all you can do. And I need you to know, like, as I'm reading all this and I feel the weight and the pain, like Jesus is the one that wants to roll up to you and share the pain with you. You got to know that. 
Jesus is the one. He's like, you don't have to go through this alone. I'll, I'll roll up under that with you. I'll get up under that yoke with you. Just know that to be true. All right. Keep going. Verse, uh, the comfort. That I may comfort you. Only Christ can comfort us. Oh, virgin daughter of Zion. For you ru- uh, ruin, your, for your ru- ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Only Jesus. I've written it down in my Bible. First Peter 2. 21 through 25. Hopefully I'll get to that. But if not, you can write it down. First Peter 2, 21 through 25. Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your sin, your iniquity to restore your fortunes. But have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. That's people that want to help you. They've done that for you. That's not good. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss. They gnash their teeth. Kind of like the cancel culture, I feel like. And they cry. We have swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we longed for. Now we have it. We see it. The Lord has done what he purposed. So remember, like an enemy, not the enemy. It's the enemy that's really destroying us. But the Lord has allowed, has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word. That refers back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, 30. When he told them, if you obey, there'll be blessing. If you disobey, there's going to be trouble. And he told them. The command long ago, he has thrown down without pity, no mercy. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. There's no protection for you in that moment. It's a really hard time. I think a lot of us go to God in the morning and we get with him and we find comfort from him and protection from him. But when he's oddly silent in your secret place in the morning, or maybe it's in the evening or throughout the day, when he's oddly silent, there's a certain amount of pain that goes with that. It's hard. Do you ever sit alone? Just asking God in the secret place to speak. And yet you feel the cold reality of silence. You ever, you ever been like that? Oh, I can relate to that. Jeremiah is saying, do not ignore the human condition. Wrong choices bring consequences. For instance, if you go walk off the 20th floor of a building today, it's going to hurt. There's consequence for that action. Matter of fact, you're not going to make it. I can just tell you that. It's going to bring death. And so just that example, it it takes me back to this holiness thing. When you're thinking, man, maybe I should screw my life up and sin. Maybe I should follow my own desires versus God's desires. Maybe we should just do church our way versus God's way. When you're thinking these things about your life or about your church, think again about the holiness of God and who he is and who he wants us to be and pursue with me that holiness. That is the way forward. Sin separates us from God. It's painful. It makes God quiet. It makes God silent. But we can return to him. There's a way to take the pain away. 
And that way is Jesus. I'm going to flip over quick to first Peter. I'm just going to read it for you because this is the gospel. For to this, this is verse 21. For to this, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you. We're called to suffering because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving for you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, but we have. Neither was deceit found in his mouth, but we've lied. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Can't say that's true of me. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Can't say that's true of me. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's what we need to do, church. We need to entrust our pastor. We need to trust our leaders. We need to trust our church and our own lives to one who judges justly. We just leave it at Jesus. Jesus is the only judge. And just put it right before him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's that process of being holy. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This last point is about returning. So let me read it for, from uh, verse 18 through 22. Their heart cried to the Lord. O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent. Day and night, give yourself no rest. Your eyes no respite. Stay up late, I guess. Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches. Pour, I have this box in my Bible. I think you should highlight this. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Church, we are in a season of pouring out our heart like water to the Lord. Lift your hands to him. For the lives of your children who are faint for hunger at the head of every street. Look, O oh Lord, and see with whom you have de- uh, with whom have you dealt thus? Have you treated anybody as poorly as you've treated us? Is what they're saying. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Keep moving. <laughs> Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Rhetorical questions, rhetorical answers. No, no. In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. Pain, suffering have no, <laughs> no respecter of persons there. My young men and my young women have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger. There it is. Slaughtering without pity. You summoned as if in a festival day, my terrors on every side. And on the day of the Lord's anger, the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and I raised, my enemy destroyed. Here's the point. Number three. Cry out to God in your time of need. Now, I I really wrestled with whether I should put in your time of need on there. Because I think it's just cry out to God. But I think that last point is, is, is part of the lament. In your time of need. Cry out to God in your time of need. You go, well, I'm not always needy. I think you should think again. You're not God. He is God, right? And so just, I want to press into that a little bit. You are needy. It's okay to 
Admit it. You're needy. I'm needy. We're human. With, apart from Christ, I can do nothing, right? Let's just admit it to ourselves for a second. Because I think as a church and as a pastor, and maybe you got this way too, you like, kind of get comfortable in your own skin. Kind of get like, oh, it's going to be okay. We could just do what we want versus what God has. And I think that that is really, really wicked and it can get get hard. So don't forget, always remember, we're needy. So cry out to God in your time of need. Sometimes you feel more needy than others, but cry out to God in your time of need. Jesus is the perfect example. He wept for Jerusalem in Luke 19. In Gethsemane, he prayed. He pleaded with his father, take this cup from me, Luke 22. In Mark chapter 15, verse 34, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If that's not the lament to end all laments, when God, the son was split from God, the father, why? Because of your sin and my sin. Let me just read it for you. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land to feel like that. Pitch black, hard times until the ninth hour, three hours. It's a long time to wait. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Suffering and grief are endemic to the human race, and Jesus was no exception. You need to know that Jesus felt pain and suffering like you feel pain and suffering. Jesus' death is tragic. And my sin, your sin, separated Jesus from his loving father because God is holy. I just want you to think about that. We need to pursue healthy holiness. We need to pursue this level of, God, if there's anything in my life that doesn't stand up to the refining fire of your Holy Spirit, be done with it. Burn it from me. Take it from me. Even if it causes pain, take it. Even if it hurts some, take it. Can we as the people of God get to the point where we say suffering isn't a bad thing? It's just awakening us to the fact that God is righteously angry at sin. That God's silence is eerily real when we're not living for him. When there's something separating us from him. And that when we cry out to God in our time of need... He will return. He'll return. So I've been going through this process. I wonder if you might join me as a church to return to the Lord. To come back to God. I just need to say this to you. To be God's people is a precious privilege. To be called a son or daughter of the king. There's nothing better. Nothing. Nothing better. It's a pre precious privilege. So don't take it for granted. That's what I'm saying, church. If you think you're holy, if you think you've arrived, be careful lest you fall. If you're here and you're like, I know I haven't arrived. I, I know I'm, I'm hurting. I know there's sin in my life. Last night was horrible for me. Or this week was just, just hard. 
If you know that to be true, you're one step away. All you need to do is turn, see God's face. Only God can restore your relationships, your failures. Only God can restore our church and this city. Only God can restore our nation and this world. Only God. So don't forget that. The poetry of Lamentations is one of the most articulate voices leading us to these two things. Confession of sin and lament over failures. So here's what I want to close. I want to close as a church and crying out. I'm going to ask these guys to come up. They're going to sing, Lord, I need you. Uh, as they're singing, I, you don't have to stand still. Uh, you don't have to sit there. Um, you, can, you can kneel. You can go to somebody and confess sin against them. You can, you can do whatever you want with the Lord, right? Follow the Holy Spirit in that. But, but church, being a Christian is an active thing. Being a follower of Jesus is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. I know it's hot. I feel it. I'm sweating. It's dripping down my back. Great picture. It doesn't matter. All that matters to me right now is that there's nothing between me and God. That I'm pursuing a healthy holiness. That there's some kind of holiness that God requires, right? But that he'll supply through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit so that we might be holy as he is holy. So will you go with the Holy Spirit right now? Will you ask the Holy Spirit to talk right now? Will you confess your sin right now? Ask, ask God. Are you angry with us? God, don't be angry with us any longer. We long to hear your voice again. So we're calling out to you. Heal our hearts. Heal our lives. Heal our families. Heal our church by your grace and with the blood of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. That's something like that. That's what I want you to pour out to God. I'm just going to read it for you. This is the one I asked you to highlight. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. That's what we're going to do right now. Let's pray. You guys can stand. Let's pray. Father God, as we look to you, give us wisdom. Help us to see our sin for what it is. Help us to understand our pain and suffering is not what you have for us. It's maybe what you've allowed for the season, but it's not what you want for us. It's for a moment, but your favor is for a lifetime. And we're so grateful, God, as we sing to you, may we also do business with you. May we be loud in our lament. May we pour out our complaints to you. May we tell you where it doesn't seem fair, but always may we turn to you and trust that you are a good God, that your anger is righteous, that your silence is deafening, and that the way back is to call on your name, to repent and to return. Thank you for Jesus, the way back, who's torn the curtain so that we can enter into the place of holiness through grace. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.